Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle, huddle, up, huddle, up, huddle up. on Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast, brought to you by PSE&G, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. I am John Schmelk. Today we have our normal Friday podcast. We have a player interview with Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas. Then we have Matt Schneidman talking to Paul Dottino and Lance Meadow. He covers the Green Bay Packers for The Athletic. He'll preview the Packers for us. And then coming up last, Bob Papa has his weekly sit-down with the head coach of your New York football Giants, Brian Dable. Just as a reminder, you can find the Giants Little Podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms, the Giants mobile app, and at Giants.com slash podcast. And again, make sure you check out our past episodes. I had a good episode with the Irish NFL Show. It's an international podcast based out of the UK. We talked some Giants and went around the league a little bit. So that was a lot of fun. Make sure you go check that out. But let's get to today's episode, and we're going to start with my conversation with Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas. And now we're joined by Giants offensive lineman Andrew Thomas. Andrew, let's walk and talk. Why not? We're just off the practice field here on Friday. Uh, Giants getting ready for their game on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. How has it been? I know it's only been a few hours here in London. We had a little red-eye flight. What's the atmosphere so far? Yeah, the turnover is crazy. Um, they told us to you know, try to try to get to sleep in um, on the plane. Uh, we didn't get to lay down. When we got here, we went straight to like a little stretch and stride, had meetings, and went straight to practice. So trying to get us on the schedule, it's a little difficult, but you got to just adjust. Now you guys know how to roll the punches. What has the adjustment been like so far? Did you manage to sleep on the plane? Setting in. Did you manage to sleep on the plane at all? Yeah, I did. Um, I got up early. Thursday morning worked out. We had practice. Um, tried to get a little, you know, a little tired. So I got about probably like four or five hours. Yeah, better than me. I got two. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> Absolutely bad. All right, uh, let, let's talk about the team a little bit. When you guys sit down and you watch the tape, why have you been able to put together a rushing attack that's number one in the league? What are you guys doing well when you watch yourselves? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the mentality. Um, we know that is something that we can we can do well, but you have to be physical. It's not easy to run the ball in the NFL, but I think our whole offense does a great job from, you know, offensive line to the tight ends, the receivers, um, running backs, obviously, and even quarterback on fakes and stuff like that yeah. helps the process. So I think it's a – Whole group effort. You know, Andrew, you mentioned it. You know, last week we saw so much of that boot action off of your 
run action. Daniel had a chance to run. A couple easy passes to the tight ends that are running right in front of us for catches. Just explain to the fans how all that really works off of what, off each other and how that really opens things up for your offense. Yeah, for the for the defense, like um, something that, you know, Coach Dable preaches to our defense is stop the run. Every week, stop the run. So um, when we're running the ball well, that's what the other team is focused on. Yeah. And when they can't, we're playing, you know, I think we in the first half we had three um, third downs. So that means we're, you know, getting good yardage on first and second down. The playbook is open to anything, so it's hard for them to guard everybody. So that's how that's how it works together. Absolutely. And then the other thing I think that impresses me, a lot of running teams become like exclusively an outside zone team, exclusively an inside zone team. You guys seem to have every scheme in your playbook. How much does it help the run game that you can do all those different things and then really customize your run game based on your opponent and even adjust midstream in the game based on what's working? Yeah, we're very versatile. Whatever our coach, he gives us, like our online coach gives us, you know, a script of runs that we plan to call in the game. But he was like, whatever hits, that's what we're going to run. And um, we do a good job adjusting whether it's outside zone, gap scheme, um, inside zone. We do a good job, you know, being able to adjust to whatever we have to block. Yeah, no question about it. I think it's worked really well. What has it been like working with Evan Neal? I'm sure you've, you know, probably tried to help him along a lot. You know, you're, you're kind of bookended right tackle. And it seems like you guys would have personalities that kind of jive with each other, right? Serious, more action than talk, I would say. How has that been working with him? No, Evan is great. Um, very mature for his age. Um, he does, you know, all the things that you, you know, see vets doing. You know, he takes care of his body. He's always, you know, asking, trying to get, you know, different tidbits, different, you know, nuggets from from the vets. Just trying to get better every day, regardless if it's, you know, simple stuff like, you know, where do you put your hands and, you know, what is your approach on this certain block, or you know, just like how did you get through, you know, your first few games and stuff like that. Just always, you know, looking, trying to, trying to learn. And I think that's that's a good mentality to have, and I think he's he's gonna be a good player in this league. Have you talked with him about having to roll with the punches a little bit your rookie year where you're going to have some bad days, but if you just keep at it, everything's going to work out in the end? No, that's the beauty of offensive line. Um, people don't notice you until, you know, you mess up. And, you know, in, in the big city, um, you know, the eyes are on you. So it's a blessing and a curse. So I just tell him, you know, <laughs> just to keep working every day. Um, like I say, he's going to be a good player. Um, he has his mind on, you know, his head on straight. So looking forward to you know, continue playing. That was John Feliciano, I believe, with the with the commentary there. All right, you personally, Andrew, from the outside in, a lot of people seem to think that you've taken a huge jump in, in year three and you're hitting your stride playing at a Pro Bowl level. When you watch yourself, do you think that too or do you see something different? I think I'm definitely um, getting better each and every day, but there's still some plays that I went back on film. Um, I think that's just the mentality you have to have if you want to be great is to never be satisfied with how you're playing. So there's, there's you know, a bunch of plays that I would like, you know, from the first few games that we played um, to be able to clean up and just be more consistent each and every play. Do you see it as steady improvement, though, from year to year, or do you think there has been a big-time jump, you think, from your second year to your third? Um, I think um, from rookie year to last year, I think was my, my biggest jump. Um, I think I, I played pretty well. I dealt with some injuries and stuff like that last year, but I, I thought I got a lot better um, in some of my techniques and then, you know, just striving to continue that and, and get better this year. You talk about your techniques. Where do you think you've made the biggest jumps? Yeah, consistency in my set is the biggest thing. Um, just getting to my, my, my spot each and every time, regardless of who the rusher is, getting to my spot, being patient, and then um, working my hands from there, um, changing depending on the rusher, um, just you know, just understanding that it's, it's a chess match, um, just understanding that each and every week.
No question about it. I'm with you. Um, when you you mentioned your health, right? You kind of deal with foot and ankle injuries your first couple of years. How much is? I am assuming you're feeling as good as you have since you've been here. How much is health? You think a factor in in, in how you're playing? No, it definitely has a, a big part in it. Um, you know, I had two surgeries, back to back years, which is not something that you you know you look forward to. But I, I think I'm doing well this year managing it. It's, it's early in the season, so we'll, you know we'll see how it goes in the NFL. Um, you're going to be banged up. That's just how, that's just how it is. But I'm trying to do my best, stand in the tra- um, training room, getting my extra massage and stuff like that, just trying to be as healthy as possible. What are you working on now, like in the off season and continuing to the year? What are the things that you're really trying to finesse and, and perfect as, as you move along in the season? Uh, like I said, just the consistency in my, in my past set. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for our offensive linemen. Um, most of the times when you see, you know, someone get beat, it's a lapse in technique, not necessarily something that the defender did. Um, so just being consistent as possible. Um, this guy I work with, uh, Paul Alexander, he calls it, um, he calls it, what does he call it, technical uh, stamina. So like, regardless of, of what's going on around you, your technique is the same. Regardless if you're fatigued, regardless if y'all losing, if you just had a bad play, your technique is always the same. And that's what I'm trying to reach. All right, a couple things about the opponent real quick before we say goodbye. What do you see when you look at the Packers' defense on tape? Yeah, just a lot of, first of all, just the talent. Um, there's so many guys on that on that front are, you know, top picks, um, really good players. Um, but besides that, I think it's the intensity that they play with. A lot of times, you know, guys are really talented. You'll see them take plays off, but um, they, they fly to the ball. They, they run hard, so that's that's going to be a good test for us this week. They play physical, and that's that's the way we try to play, so it's going to be a good match. You'll see both Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith throughout the game. What makes them different? How are they similar, and what's the challenge those two guys bring to the field as pass rushers? Yeah, first first thing, just different body types. Like, Preston's a little bigger, with, um, a little more, like, length, so he, he does a good job working, you know, the long, the long arm and converting all off of that and Rashawn he, he he does a good job he's a little I think he's a little more twitchy um does a good job converting the power and, and does good with his hands they move they move him around a good bunch yeah and finally just the way they scheme it up you know you guys play Dallas they were running twists and stunts the whole game I was I watched a couple of their games on defense Green Bay doesn't do a lot of the twists and stunning right it's more kind of they try to set up those one-on-ones a little bit more right yeah they have faith in their players they have you know good defensive linemen interior and outsides um they have you know athletic linebackers too that they'll mix in the game um you know try to blister back make our back you know pick up protections but like you said they, they want one-on-one matches and, and just see if their guys can win Andrew best luck appreciate the time man appreciate it that's Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas. We thank him for joining us. Say, Giant fans, join us on Sunday, October 16th. Giants versus the Baltimore Ravens as the team celebrates Latino Heritage Month. Presented by Ford, arrive early to partake in several plaza activations, including food sampling, salsa dancing, live music, and celebrity artist DJ Camillo performing during pregame warm-ups and select times throughout the game. Limited tickets are available. Visit Giants.com tickets to secure your seat today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, now let's get to our in-depth preview on the Green Bay Packers. Our very own Paul Dottino and Lance Meadow talk to Matt Schneidman, who covers the team for The Athletic. For the first time since 2016, the Giants head across the pond as they'll collide with the Packers in London in Week 5. And to get more into Green Bay, we are now joined by Matt Schneidman, who covers the team 
for The Athletic. Matt, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time. Always good to speak with you. Hope Paul as well. How's everything on your end? Not too bad. I'm mentally, physically preparing for a seven and a half hour flight from <laughs> Chicago to London tomorrow. So I couldn't be more excited. I'm ready to go. Quite the journey ahead of you, indeed. The sacrifices we all make in the media industry <laughs> to cover professional football. Well, glad that you're good to go. And let's start off the top. And I actually, I want to start with the turnover bug for the Packers, Matt, because it's very unusual. You see Aaron Rodgers' stat line. I mean, the guy throws maybe five interceptions per season. All of a sudden, he's got three. The team overall has seven. I know that Clearly, the coaching staff has been asked about this in the early stage of the season. But if you could put your finger on, what do you attribute to why the turnovers have been a bit higher than we're used to seeing? Is this a product of Aaron getting still used to the new receiving core? Why have they had issues with ball security thus far? No, I mean, one thing I can point to is Rodgers just being a little more reckless with decisions he makes. Like in week one, um, at the tail end of the first half, he lofted up a, a go-get-it deep ball down the middle for Randall Cobb, who's under six feet tall, I think, um, for against Harrison Smith, who's one of the best ball hawking safeties in the league. Smith picked it off with like 26, 27 seconds left in the half, and Rodgers called it a dumb decision. You, you saw on Sunday when he threw the pick six to the Patriots rookie cornerback, Jack Jones, completely telegraphed an out route deep in his own territory to Alan Lazard. Then there's stuff like rookie wide receiver Romeo Dobbs not being able to hold on to the ball after he catches it has had that problem a couple times, one fumble he recovered, one he did not. So just a little carelessness on the Packers side. They were so good at taking care of the ball last year, as they are in most years with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. Like you said, he's almost to his interception total from last season altogether in just four games this year. So they're going to need to take care of the ball better. Last week was a rare instance in which they lost the turnover battle and still won the game. I don't know how fortunate they'll get in that regard going forward. So they got to take care of the ball. Well, we know the receiving core is not what it's been in the past. And in looking at their four games this year, you've got the one game, seven points against the Vikings and only 14 points offensively against Tampa Bay. And we know the running game is going really, really well. So how much has the difficulties that they've had with the wide receiver group contributed to the fact that they're just not getting enough points? Yeah, I think so for sure. They've started games really slow, um, aside from the Buccaneers game where they scored on their first two drives and were an Aaron Jones fumble on the one-yard line away from taking a 21-3 to lead at halftime in Tampa. Um, but look, I think this wide receiver core, we knew it wasn't going to be the same without the best wide receiver in the NFL, arguably, uh, in Devontae Adams. But the young guys, Dobbs and Christian Watson, their, their fourth-round pick and second-round pick, respectively, have really so shown some signs of promise. And, and if they can iron out some of the mistakes they're making or find a role in this offense, find a bigger role, I should say, since they already have a role, I think people will be pleasantly surprised with what this receiver core becomes down the road. If they get Sammy Watkins back healthy, he has, I believe, two more games left to go before he's eligible to come off IR. But listen – Everyone knew the strength of this offense was going to be the running game. They have perhaps the best one-two punch in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They've been really good. Uh, last week, Aaron Jones ran 16 times for over 100 yards. A.J. Dillon 17 times for 75, 73 yards, I think it was. Sealed the game late uh, in overtime by helping them get into field goal range. 
So it's no surprise that the Packers receiving core is off to kind of a slow start, given the new pieces they're moving in. And a lot of people don't mention Marquez Valdez Scantling was their main deep threat, their number two wide receiver last year, who signed with the Chiefs in free agency. It's not just Devonta Adams they're losing. So a lot of moving parts there. And while they get that figured out, they've really had to rely on the run game, which they probably should anyway, because that's the strength of this offense. Matt, you brought up the youth movement at receiver, and this was something clearly we expected given the changes you outlined. I find it interesting. Romeo Dobbs has been the most targeted wide receiver, and the reason I bring that up is the fact that, as you can attest to from covering the team, there's been years where Aaron doesn't necessarily enthusiastically embrace going after guys that he doesn't necessarily have that trust factor with. So I guess what I'm getting at is what does it say about Aaron that he is making an effort to try to get these younger guys involved right out of the gates, as opposed to simply just leaning on Lazard and Cobb, which I would argue he may have had a tendency to do in previous seasons. Right. Well, without Adams, without Valdez Scantling, and now without Sammy Watkins, who was getting targets before he injured his hamstring in week two, you know, he didn't necessarily have to go to Romeo Dobbs or a rookie or whatever. It's not only because Romeo Dobbs is impressing. He had a really good preseason. Um, he's entrusted Rodgers with his route running, his ball catching skills, but it's also out of necessity. Like he doesn't have anyone else to throw to. I mean, sure, he has a couple other guys to throw to, but you're going to have to get these guys involved. And Romeo Dobbs is one of the best receivers in the NFL. I believe he ranks seventh in the league among receivers who have at least 10 catches in yards after catch per reception. They throw him a lot of, you know, smoke alert screens and he takes them 10, 15 yards upfield. Had two on the Packers game winning drive the other day. He caught a really nice back shoulder touchdown catch on third down uh, to tie the game late in the fourth quarter against the Patriots. And Rogers said, if I'm throwing you a, a back shoulder for a touchdown on third down, I've got a lot of confidence in you. And this has been the case with Dobbs since training camp where he had a couple drops the good he does outweighs the bad. And they're just going to have to live with that. They can't afford to say, okay, you dropped one. Let's go to all these other receivers we have before Rogers is comfortable coming back to the rookie. They don't because Dobbs is perhaps their receiver with the highest ceiling. And Lazard is still the number one guy. And they have guys in Aaron Jones and Robert Tunyon, the tight end who can catch passes for sure. But they can't afford to go away from Dobbs because of the good he's also doing. And same with Christian Watson. He hasn't received nearly as many targets in the passing game, but they still find ways to get him involved. He's an athletic freak. And you saw his first touchdown the other night came on a, a end around a, a jet sweep where he just breezed untouched around the right end for 15 yard, for a 15 yard touchdown. So they're finding ways to get both these guys involved Dobbs more so in the passing game. And, and I think you're going to see it again on Sunday. All right, let's go to that running game that you talked about a few minutes ago. Between Jones and Dylan, I mean, it's not exactly an even split in the amount of touches that they've had. But philosophically, have you been able to figure out why one guy gets certain touches and other guys, the other guy gets the other touches? No, I mean, Matt LaFleur calls them running backs 1A and 1A. They don't see it as a starter or a backup. I mean, Aaron Jones is the, the feature guy, A.J. Dillon is technically below him in the pecking order, but he can also be a feature guy. I mean, Jones uh, and Dylan can both do everything, and that's pass protect, that's catch the ball, that's run the ball. Uh, Aaron Jones is probably a more skilled pass catcher, but A.J. Dillon can do that too. 
And we've seen that in, in both games. You look at week one when Aaron Jones only had eight touches. And then the next week he comes back with, I believe it was 18 touches and two touchdowns against the Bears on Sunday night football. He's one of the most versatile playmakers in the entire league, not just on the Packers. A.J. Dillon, the, the you know common misconception is he's just a he's not fast. He just pounds ahead on third and one to get you the conversion. But you look late in the game the other day. You know, his tackle breaking ability is I don't want to say second to none because you guys cover a running back who is actually probably the second to none in, in that regard. But um <laughs> Listen, both of them are, are really versatile and they, they truly feel the Packers coaches, that is, that they can plug them in whenever. It's not like a situational thing where they can only put in A.J. Dillon on third down. They can only use him in short yardage situations. What they're doing a lot more this year is using them both on the field at the same time. They, already, they only shared the field on offense for 24 snaps all last season. They've already blown past that this year. Um, and they can do a lot of things out, out of those formations. They call it the pony package or 21 H uh, when both Jones and Dylan are on the same field. And also that's probably because Rogers, at least to start the season, didn't have as many wide receivers. He trusted, he trusts number 33 and number 28 more in the passing game. And, and they're two of their best 11 players on offense. So I think, like I said about targeting Dobbs, you'll see a lot more of, of Jones and Dylan on the field at the same time in London. Which makes sense because of the chemistry that also they have built within the offense. Now, clearly the running game, Matt, is synonymous with the offensive line as we're talking with Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for the athletic. And last season, they didn't have the luxury of having the two anchors on the offensive line because of injuries and David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Now they're both back. Two-part question. Number one, how have those two guys specifically looked as they have worked them back into the line? And I'm hearing some buzz about maybe they make some changes to try to get the five best guys on the line and use one of their backup tackles and move things around. How much stock or substance is behind that entering this Giants game? Yeah, so David Bakhtiari's looked pretty good. Um, he obviously, when healthy, is arguably the best left tackle in football. He made five straight all-pro teams from 2016 to 2020, uh, made an all-pro team in 2020, made first-team all-pro, in 2020, despite playing only 11 games and tearing his ACL in week uh, 17, I believe it was, while they were getting ready for a game against the Bears. And he played week 18 last season, re-aggravated the injury, missed the playoffs, returned in week three against the Buccaneers. He only played 34 snaps. Um, it was really hot down in Tampa. He kind of did a rotating series thing with Yash Nyman, who is the backup offensive tackle you mentioned, who filled in really admirably at left tackle last season when Bakhtiari went down. And then also Jenkins, who tore his ACL in week 11, was playing left tackle. But then Yash, who was, I guess, their third string left tackle last year, uh, filled in nicely the second half of the season. Jenkins has been a little shaky at right tackle. Um, it's a position he only played 32 snaps of entering this season. He hasn't been great. Now, there's thought, and perhaps that thought is just from reporters like myself, but coaches like Adam Stenovich, their OC, who was their offensive line coach the past couple of years, and Matt LaFleur have both acknowledged to get their best five on the field, perhaps they move Yash Nyman from being the backup left tackle to the starting right tackle. Because, you know, in just terms of overall offensive line play, he's probably in their top five. And, and Royce Newman, their second year right guard, uh, has been fine 
but he's probably the worst of the five and, and worse overall than Nyman. So there's been discussion about moving Jenkins inside where he was a Pro Bowl starter at left guard in 2020 and is probably better on the inside than he is at right tackle and putting Nyman at right tackle. But offensive coordinator Adam Stenovich said yesterday, Jenkins is our best option at right tackle right now. That that could change down the road. But for now, I think you're going to see Bakhtiari at left tackle. John Runyon Jr., who's been really solid at left guard. Josh Myers, the second-year center out of Ohio State, who's been solid. Newman, second-year right guard out of Ole Miss. And then Jenkins at right tackle. I think that's what you're going to see for now. And Aaron Rodgers has been getting rid of the ball quickly, so they don't have to hold up as much in pass protection. But when they have, it's been pretty decent for all the moving parts they've had to deal with. Okay, let's flip the coin to defense. And the one thing that just stuck out immediately as I started going through some of the numbers, uh, opponents only gaining third down conversions at 24%. Matt, that is an insane number. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lance likes to talk about how many times you'll see third and longs, and that obviously has an impact on the percentage. Is that the case with the Packers? If you ask Matt LaFleur, he'll say that's the case, especially uh, when they beat the Buccaneers 14 to 12. They did get the Buccaneers in a lot of third and longs, and a lot of that has to do with their pass rush uh, on second down. And, you know, stopping the run hasn't been great. They're giving up the, I believe, 29th most. So they rank 29th in the NFL in terms of yards per carry allowed on first and second down. So the run defense is is pretty shaky, but the pass rush has been really good. Rashawn Gary is one of the best young players in the NFL regardless, not just young defensive players. And Preston Smith, their other edge rusher, has been pretty solid too. Kenny Clark, their nose tackle, is, is a pro bowler. Uh, he's really good at rushing the passer. That's what's helped them get in these third and longs where teams can't run. Because if teams run on, you know, third and short, they're probably going to convert it since Packers run defense isn't very good. And that's a whole nother thing going up against the team they're going up against on Sunday, you know, yeah, Matt, hold on. I've got Saquon Barkley on the other line. He's going to want to know that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he doesn't know that already, but look, you know, Saquon not only can, well, we'll get into Saquon later, but uh, going back to your question about why their third down defense has been good. Yeah. I think it's just, they're getting them in a lot of third and longs. Their secondary is good. Um, at times they have had some coverage breakdowns, but when they're healthy in the secondary, they're one of the best in the league probably and, and not having complete communication breakdowns. And then they have two solid inside linebackers in Devondre Campbell uh, and Quay Walker, the rookie out of Georgia. So their pass defense has been decent. And especially when it's third and 12, third and 14 for other teams. And I think that's been the key when they get into third and short situations, defending those, it's a little more dicey. Matt, you brought up Rashawn Gary. He has at least one sack at each game. To your point, he's off to a tremendous start. But I want to branch out big picture perspective because there's been years, and you can attest to this covering the team, where if Aaron and the offense didn't put up a clinic, they'd be in trouble because mm-hmm. the defense struggled immensely. It seems as if, going back to last season, this group has turned the corner. With Joe Barry, there's continuity. They're developing some of these young guys. How fair of a synopsis do you think that is that this unit has come a long way simply because there's much more stability and continuity on that side of the ball in comparison to what we've seen in the previous years? Yeah, for sure. I still think they have a long way to go, though, because, you know, last year they were a top five defense in the league, maybe top 10 right outside the top five for the first half of the season. Then they were 
arguably the worst defense in the league for the second half of the season. They have to find more consistency. Like this year, they were bad against the Vikings in week one, really good against the Bears in week two, really good against the Buccaneers in week three. And you think they turn a corner and then they're not good against a third string quarterback and a pretty good Patriots run game. And they allow, you know, well, they didn't allow 24 points. Patriots scored 24, but one of those was Rogers pick six. So they were decent, but not as good as they would have liked. Like I mentioned, their run defense is the big weakness. They have to get that figured out. That has been a problem around here in Green Bay for the last couple of years. For the first time in a couple of years, they brought in reinforcements on the defensive line at edge rusher, at inside linebacker, but it hasn't really worked out yet. You know, the Packers are only holding opponents to no gain or a loss of yardage on runs 17.6% of the time. That ranks 22nd in the league. You know, any rushing defensive rushing stat you look at the Packers are in the bottom third or significantly worse. Like I mentioned, they're not good at stopping the run on first and second down, uh, which is what you need to do to get into those third and long situations. So look, Adrian Amos, one of their starting safeties. I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday since he's still in the concussion protocol from Sunday's game. Jair Alexander, highest paid cornerback in NFL history. Didn't play last week. Didn't play most of week three against the Buccaneers because of a groin injury. I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. They got to get those two guys healthy and then they'll be better off, but they still have some things to shore up. They have all the potential in the world on paper. They should have the best defense in the league, but, or one of the best defenses in the league, I should say, but they've just had some trouble stringing together consistency. And listen, if you check Packers Twitter, they want Joe Barry's head on a plate. I don't think it should be that far yet, but they've got another tough test on Sunday. I've got to ask you about Quay Walker, Matt, because coming out of school, I know he turned out to be a first-round pick. Very interesting athlete. I'm not sure that I could necessarily, when, when I saw the tape when he was coming out, if I could say, okay, this is going to be the best system for him, and this is the thing he does really, really great. To me, he was just a great athlete who could probably do a lot of things well, but I just couldn't figure out how he would be best used. How are the Packers using him? They're using him in a lot of different ways. I mean, part of the reason they drafted him is because it, it sounds, you know, counterproductive, but they had a first team all pro inside linebacker last year and Devondre Campbell. He hasn't been as good this year, but nonetheless, they wanted to pair him with someone that was equally as talented defending the pass and the run, not only because having two versatile inside linebackers is makes a world of a difference on a defense, but because it will allow them to kind of disguise some things. And when they're defending against the pass, not always go nickel or dime, or when they're defending against the run, maybe not always make it so obvious when, when they're going, you know, six defensive linemen or whatever, and, and put in an extra inside linebacker in there. They think he's incredibly versatile. He's had some great moments. Certainly the guy can cover sideline to sideline and he hits as hard as anyone on the team, but some tackling stuff, pass coverage, run defense. It's expected for a rookie not to be, you know, thoroughly polished right out of the gate. They're using him in some blitz packages, which is kind of rare around here for inside linebackers, but he has that ability and he can also drop back into coverage, like I said, which is also uh, not rare, but rare for inside linebackers around here, at least. They, they finally found a good one last year and now they, they have two, they think. It's going to need to get a little better, but... With Quay's skill set, uh, his versatility, they think they can use him in a myriad of ways, um, and he'll be 
counted upon to defend against the pass and defend against run. And that's what happens when you're taking number 22 overall in the draft. You have to do all that. Matt, speaking of the pass defense, you referenced earlier the injuries they're dealing with. Their top corner, Jair Alexander, question mark entering this week, as well as Adrian Amos at safety. The Giants have clearly struggled in passing the football, given the injuries to the receiver, and now Daniel Jones dealing with an ankle injury. What I'm getting at is, how do you think this Packers secondary will hold up in the event they don't have those two players we talked about, and they have to rely on some of the backups and dig deeper into their depth chart? I think fine. Um, one of the things coming into the season that, that we pinpointed as a concern was secondary depth. But Keyshawn Nixon, their backup slot corner, uh, who had been a special teamer, fill-in spot, slot corner for the Raiders the last couple of years, who Rich Bisaccia brought over here, filled in really nicely on defense against the Buccaneers when Alexander went down on the first drive with that groin injury I mentioned. And then last week, uh, when Adrian Amos went down with a concussion early in the game, Rudy Ford who has been a, a special teamer, uh, a really good gunner, or they, they call it a flyer here in Green Bay, for the Cardinals, Eagles, and Jaguars the last couple of years. Joe Barry, when we talked to him yesterday, he was really pleased with how Rudy Ford filled in on defense. So those are the two guys, if Amos and Alexander can't go, that they would likely turn to. My guess is Alexander plays this week. Um, it seemed more precautionary holding him out last week. Amos, I don't know. You know, the Packers had an offensive lineman in, in Runyon a couple weeks ago who was in the concussion protocol all the way up till game day, I believe. So uh, it's possible Adrian Amos still plays. He has not missed a game, I don't believe, since the Packers signed him in 2019. Maybe he's only missed one game in his career since the Bears drafted him in 2015. If not one, then, then less than a handful. But uh, look... Their depth is going to be tested if those guys can't go. But so far against the Buccaneers and Patriots, uh, those guys, Nixon and Ford, have held up pretty well. Final thought from me, Matt, just from looking at the numbers, it would appear that special teams, whether it be returns or coverage units, have been an issue. Yeah, they, they've been an issue in Green Bay for as long as we can remember. But I, I would say the coverage units have been way better this year and I say way better because the standard was impossibly low. They were, you know, in, in Rick Gosselin's rankings, which are kind of the Bible for special teams around, around the NFL, the Packers were dead last last year. They brought in Basaccia. The coverage units have been way better, not against the Patriots last week. They were not good then. Um, but the return units are still kind of a question mark. Amari Rogers, the uh, second year receiver out of Clemson, who was Trevor Lawrence's number one guy a couple of years ago, can't really make guys miss. He's not really explosive. Um, there's been kind of talk, at least from in my head, I don't know if it has been internally, they might have to make a change at returner to kind of generate some more stuff on that end. But in terms of the punt team, the field goal team, uh, the coverage units, those were all absolute disasters last year. They have been serviceable this year, which any Packer fan will take because it's anything better than an absolute catastrophe. The return units are where there still needs to be the most progress, but there's been good strides and everything else. And for once, and I say for once, cause it's like the first time in the last couple of years that the Matt LaFleur is on his third special teams coordinator in four years as a head coach. Uh, I think they might've finally gotten this one right, but it's still early knock on wood. Well, Basaccia did a fantastic job as the interim coach of the Raiders. And mm -hmm. Matt, as you can attest to, I'm sure Packers fans still have a nightmares from that Niners playoff game. Yes. Speaking of special teams mishaps, because that was a big reason why, unfortunately, their postseason run did not go 
as long as they had anticipated. He is Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for The Athletic. Matt, can't thank you enough. Greatly appreciate the time and the insight. Safe travels to London, and we look forward to this game on Sunday. Enjoy the trip. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you to Matt Schneidman, and thanks to Paul Lance for giving our weekly preview of the opponent. Giant fans, don't forget the Giants' official connected TV app is Giants TV. You can find it for free on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. It's the Giants' official streaming app, Giants TV. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Make sure you check that out. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. All right, let's wrap things up. Our very own Bob Papa had a chance to talk to the head coach of the NYG, Brian Dable. The Giants take on the Green Bay Packers, Tottenham in London. And coach, uh, first trip for you over here. Uh, how have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I think everybody's been very accommodating. Um, I think the players have all the things they need to have to, to go out there and have a good practice and preparation. So uh, it's been a really good week. All right, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. They come in at 3-1, and one, same record as your squad. Uh, when you look at them defensively, Rashawn Gary's got five sacks on the season. Uh, they do a good job in the passing game, giving up only 168 yards. What makes them so effective defensively? Well, they can affect the quarterback. Um, you know, like you said, Gary is a premier edge rusher. And I would say that, you know, all the players that they got, whether it's Quay Walker at inside linebacker they just got in the first round, um, and Kenny Clark really inside has been a menace for, for the inside guard center position. Uh, so they affect the quarterback well, and they got good coverage players on the back end. They play a good scheme. Coach Barry does a good job. Uh, they're, they're a really good group. Are they a team that um... – because of the talent that they have schematically, is it a lot of gimmicky stuff, or is it just their guys are able to beat guys in front of them regularly? Yeah, they play good, sound defense. Um, cover the deep part of the field. They're very good in, in the passing game. And up front, you know, if they, if they turn it into a passing game for you, it's, it's a problem. Go to the other side of the ball. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, future Hall of Famer. What makes him so difficult to defend, despite the fact that offensively right now they're only averaging 18.8 points per game but you just kind of feel like that explosiveness can happen at any moment yeah it can uh there's not one thing that he does uh bad everything's good from his cadences to his little checks that he can get to the receiver quick or uh, good decisions when he needs to check it down and and, and throw it deep when he when he thinks he has an opportunity he's extremely accurate um, he's one of the best to ever do it He's real. Do you, do you have to be on your P's and Q's when you go against a guy like him or even a Brady where, you know, if you're in substitution, they go quick and they get a free five yards or if you jump offside, they're great at the free play. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we've practiced a lot this week, but until you're in, in live reps, um, you know, you have to have great focus, great attention to detail when you're on the defensive side playing against Aaron. Um, and we, we've worked at it and uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, one of the underrated parts of Green Bay has been their run game between Jones and Dylan. Uh, if you go back to, you know, the last couple of years, 2019, Jones is second in the NFL. He has 42 scrimmage touchdowns. 
averaging 5.1 yards a carry over that span. Talk about that combination and how hard they're to deal with. Yeah, well, they both make yards when they get the ball in their hand. Um, he's Jones can, can kill you in the passing game. He can kill you in the run game. He averages 6.8 yards this year already. A dynamic player, always seems to make positive yards. And Dylan, Dylan's a, you know, he's a big, powerful back, but he's also got great speed and strength, and uh, he's a problem to tackle. Um, Coach, Saquon Barkley has been absolutely brilliant for you guys. Uh, just talk about the confidence that he's been playing with, which seems to feed throughout your entire team. He and Daniel, yeah. both of them have played with great confidence. Yeah, I think that stems from all the way back to OTAs and how he has taken care of his body, come back from his injuries. He feels really healthy. Uh, he's a dynamic player. He's got quickness, speed, strength, good vision. Um, and, you know, he's a focal point for our offense, as, as everybody knows. Um, and I'd say Daniel has done a really good job of doing the things he needs to do uh, to, to lead us down and to win games. Um, you know, we've had four one-score games already in this first quarter of the season. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of the way Daniel's competed and, and led the offense. Proud of your team as well with the way they've embraced the style of play that they need to play in order to be competitive and have a chance to win games. Absolutely. There's, there's always a way to win a game in the National Football League, and there's, there's obviously ways to lose it. And you know, our guys compete for 60 minutes. They play with great effort. Um, you know, we try to do things as good as we can do. We understand that it's not always going to be what we want, uh, but I think playing the next play and having resiliency is important. And, again, I've talked about this at nauseum. As long as we're doing things during the week, we're preparing the right way, we're practicing the right way, and we're going out there giving great effort on Sundays, um, you can live with the results. You might not like them, uh, but you can live with them. Boy, you, you took me back to like 1990 with Bill Parcells. I could still hear him saying, fellas, there's always a pathway to victory. Sometimes it's narrow, sometimes it's wide, but in the NFL, unlike college, there always is one. Absolutely. These games are, are usually close, um, and it's really performing under pressure when it counts the most that usually makes the difference. There's a few games here or there, and in most games, unless it gets away from you, that uh, you got a nail, uh, whether it's a play caller, whether it's a player, an assistant coach, whatever it may be, um, they're very, very competitive, and the margin is, is so small. Coach, best of luck today. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you. That's Giants head coach Brian Dable. We thank him. We thank Matt Schneidman from The Athletic, Paul Lance and Bob, and, of course, we thank Andrew Thomas for joining us on this episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Uh, we're in London. That's where I'm recording this, folks. Giants and Packers coming your way in that lone, I'll call it a national game because there's no other game going on, NFL Network, at 9.30 Eastern time on Sunday. Make sure you tune in. Then Giants come back home right after the game, and then they get ready for the Baltimore Ravens for a home game coming up the following week. Thank you to everybody for being with us. I'm John Schmoke. Again, find all the Giants podcasts on the Giants Podcast Network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere in Giants.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. Safe travels. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. 
What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid back nature. He's a family man and being a country mega star while also having seven kids. You know, he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 